should probably turn my camera on. How about that? Hey, everyone, it's Dashiell Miller, and we're here with episode 124 of uh, Kudan Radio, and this is an open Q&A. So we had some questions come in. Uh, James and I will be handling those things uh, as we go along. So hopefully uh, you're ready for a ride. It's a good cross-section of things. So uh, we'll jump into that just as soon as we officially start things. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. And that's the real story. Anyway, all right, so let's fire James up over here and see if it, if it does what it did last time. Where are you? I don't see you anywhere. It shows me live. Well, I know it shows you live. I just don't see your little square on the screen. Anybody see James? Where, where Where's Waldo? <laughs> where's James? <laughs> anyway, all right, so uh, we're, we're all set. So anyway... Um, Sorry, we uh, for those of you on audio only, on the podcast sites and all that, you're just firing this thing up and listening to it, right? Uh, for those live, uh, we got started about seven minutes late because James and I got caught up in a conversation uh, about um, uh, our primary online distance learning site. Um, we've been dealing with uh, a problem for about, what is it, about a week? Yes. Yeah, a week, right? So uh, I guess today, no. Today would be slightly over a week, right? So we're looking at about eight days because it started, I think, on anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, so we've got a host and a security company. Um, well, I think I think you finally straightened it out, right? You just did your did your thing. I I think so. Least, in there are they're at least fixing things that that need to be fixed because for half the week, more than half the week, they were blaming each other. Right. We need them to do this. No, no, no. We need them to do. And so um, it's, here's one of these partnership kind of things that uh, uh, just didn't kind of work out. So anyway, we're adaptable. Um, I've been working, uh, doing a workaround kind of thing. It gave me some extra time to get some more videos done. So there's more YouTube shorts up uh, on uh, on the site. I'm going to be looking into firing up some things on TikTok. <laughs> anyway, TikTok, TikTok, I know I've, I've, I've been averse to it because, uh, you know, in my head, it's, there's a certain age thing to that, but I just found out that the average, um, uh, the average age, right, uh, for TikTok, um, or average low end age, right, is 30, right? So it's 30 and older, right? So I guess the, I guess the kids are on now, just like they did with Facebook a long time ago. Now it's like, yeah, TikTok is for old people. Okay. Uh, and there's more and more educational content and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm probably just going to be doing double duty with the with the YouTube shorts and getting more stuff over there. We'll see how it works out because um, I want to get more information out to folks. Um, so that'll be cool. Um, so if you follow along weekly, right, um, uh, last at the end of last episode, right, I just got to toss this thing out there because um, if you leave me to my own devices, I have to kind of figure things out or come up with topics or whatever. And so uh, I just kind of ended last episode with, what are your questions? 
right? So this episode will be all based on uh, questions that came in. And I think we have we have five, right, James? James is going to yeah. be like moderator, right? So uh, he'll he'll be reading the questions as though he's the person who asked it, right? Um, but five of them came in. They're a good cross-section across several different kind of areas, uh, some about history, some about training, those kind of things. Um, I don't know how deep of a dive I'm going to go into each question, but I'll give it my best shot. And, uh, and we'll take a look at things, right? Um, uh, at least one of these questions that if I can, if I remember correctly, at least one of these has to do with a come I, right? Um, yeah. should provide more clarity or shed light on things where there could be confusion, right? People tend to argue over things or they get lost or whatever. And, um, again, you know, uh, is it Phil Jones? Phil Jones, uh, sent me something, you know, he's, he's going through all the, all the, uh, past, uh, like the archive, right. All the past episodes and all those kind of things. So he's appreciating the clarity and all those kind of things. Right. Um, he, and for whatever reason, he likes the humor too, but, um, that speaks volumes about his personality. Right. So anyway, um, uh, it, either Phil will get to it just like a lot of you that are doing the same thing, um, accidentally or on purpose, where I talk about some of these things, right? We have to be careful what we believe to be true or what, or allowing ourselves to believe that what we've had access to is all there is, right? So uh, for those of you who took advantage of the, I did put that out, right? Um, the, the sample workbook from like module two, right? Yes. This, there's a sample of the whole, or did we give them the whole thing? I can't remember. Just the sample. Sample of the, of, of the Mod 2 workbook. Yeah, because the Mod 2 workbook is like 28 pages. So um, so uh, I'm pretty sure the front end includes this little thing that I'm about to say. And I got this from one of my teachers where it was actually in writing and other ones, they just used different words, but it was the same thing, right? Uh, that nothing here, whether I'm speaking it here in Kuden or it's in a workbook or anything like that, right? And this should be our general perspective, right? This is needed to, right? Warriorship is bad enough. And I don't mean bad in a negative sense. I mean, like for this topic I'm about to mention, it's bad enough because it's so broad and it's so deep, right? Needed to? Shit, <laughs> right? So, but what's in the workbook, right, is almost word for word from what I got from one of my teachers, right? Nothing here is a statement or an implication that this is all there is. Okay. Hatsumi Sensei has said, well, I would say in the past, right? It's all in the past. Um, way early in my training, right? That he could write a book, and I mean a thick book. I'm making, um, for those of you on audio only, right, on the podcast, uh, I'm, fist is as far open as I can, almost like I'm holding a book, right? kind of wrapped around the spine of the book like it's this giant tome, right? Because um, that's the gesture he made, right? He could write an entire book on one kata, which makes the arguments that a lot of people have about what's, what is and what is not correct kata, right, ludicrous, right? Because they think that they, they have the step-by-steps and then it's all done, right? Um, 
but he's always said he could write an entire book. And uh, so anyway, but we, we give you, you know, kind of parse it out so that people aren't overwhelmed. Um, but at the same time, we can cover a broad range of, um, of techniques and strategies and tactics, right, to keep people moving forward, right? So we'll, we'll get to more of this stuff as we go. Uh, but nothing, right, uh, that you're ever going to bump into in this art, right, um, is just that's it. That's all there is. Okay. So it's going to take some deep, deep, deep exploring. Right. I remember back in the early to mid eighties, uh, uh, one of my teachers made this comment that, uh, you're only ever going to get 10% of this art in a dojo, right? You're going to have to steal the rest, right? Um, <laughs> Some people took that literally, right? I remember a, uh, a seminar that was here in the States, and uh, I think it was a Taikai. And um, some person or people broke into Manaka Shihan's uh, room, right? At that point, he was not the head of the Jinian Khan organization or whatever. He was a member of the Japanese uh, military, and... Uh, he was Satsumi Sensei's right-hand man in the Bujinkan, right? Was snuck into his room, broke into his room, right? And stole his training notebook. Not the smartest thing in the world, right? Because um, I'm pretty sure that the police would have been the least of their concerns uh, if they found out who it was. There was simply a, a statement made during the training that should the uh, notebook find its way back to the room, regardless of whether it finds its way to the original place that it was sitting or not, um, then uh, we could forget about the whole issue. Right? But that means that 90% of the art, you're going to have to ferret out. You're going to have to uh, do study and research and all that on your own. And a lot of people, they're just not cut out for that kind of thing, right? They want to be told what to do, how to do it, when to do it, all that wonderful stuff. And, um, you know, just like the, the ego problem that a lot of folks have, right? They need to be, not only do they need to be the guy or girl that other people can rely on, right, the, that warrior protector, but they need for everybody to know that they're the one that kicked that guy's ass. They're the one that stepped up. They're the one, whatever, right? Um Warriorship is great, right? Bujinkan Budo Taijutsu, right? Have at it, right? Nijutsu, right? Where you're going to work your will without action. Doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to act as a person, right? But the point is that no one will ever know that you produce those results. It's not for everybody, right? And that's fine. Uh, apparently, I lost James. Let's see. I, my phone did buzz, so let me see what happened here. Hopefully you didn't have like a family emergency or something. Uh, oh, maybe he's signing back in again. Okay. Oh. The message I got was that his laptop decided it was going to restart on him. Okay. Hey, you're back. We missed you. <laughs> no idea what the hell that was. but Oh, that's fine. That's fine. All right. I think it'd be cool if we could get your face up here on the on the screen. I don't know what happened. Not that way. There we go, right? Mini me, right? <laughs> anyway, 
All right. So um, I think we should do this, right? Um, uh, in full transparency. I've glanced over the questions, right? I did not dive in and do a whole bunch of research. So what you're going to get is just some things off the top of my head. And if some of you want to be uh, like the, um, if we have time, right? If you want to be like the kids that didn't do their homework last night or since last Monday, and this is a Monday, so, right? Uh, and so you want to slide a question in before we're done. If we have the time, uh, I'll field those as well. If not, the best way to get a question answered is to send it in so that I have time to churn it, churn it over. But uh, in all honesty, over the past week, uh, I've been doing a lot of swearing, and um, James has been doing a lot of, I don't know what he's doing on his end, he's just been spending a lot of time on the phone talking to people that are supposed to know what they're doing. And um, so I've had to contact, uh, what was that one game show? Um, I had to make a phone call. I had to call a friend, right? Uh, that's the cool thing about having a martial arts school, right? Uh, especially a ninja school, right? One of the first things I was taught as a as a white belt was uh, you need to set up like every ninja has a network of resources, right? People that you can contact, so you don't have to study everything, right? You can reach out and tap into some of these resources. Some you have to pay for, some they're your friends, right? So I'm tied into chiropractors and doctors and psychiatrists and and engineers and mechanics and all kinds of things, right? So uh, you know, made a phone call and uh, tried to get some more clarity and uh, you know, but either way, right? So anyway, all right, uh, let's just do this, James. So uh, let's uh, you you can pick them in any order. I don't I don't care which one they mm -hmm. are. Uh, probably be easiest to do to get as many in as possible. Do the ones that you think um, are uh, I don't know maybe I hate the word easier, but you know what I mean that that would be more uh, just quicker to answer. That way I can get through uh, several of these things and not get tied up with just one topic. Okay, and the ones that look like they're going to need more uh, attention, maybe we can just hold uh, that one or two of them uh, for like a full full-on episode okay i trust your brain <laughs> all right what do we got um you mentioned it in an earlier episode about uh hatsumi sensei's book ninjutsu history and tradition being written in a code i don't want the answer given of course but i'm curious as to what level one would be at to understand or figure it out. Okay. So uh, I did read that one and I don't remember. I don't remember. Right? I did not have sexual. Anyway, I'm, I don't remember <laughs> ever saying that the entire book was written in code. Okay. I do remember saying the fictional work, uh, Tolku, that Stephen Hayes had written, People need to, like, read that, I don't know, four or five times because there's all kinds of techniques and tactics and strategies and mindsets, all kinds of things buried in that, including things that are not even written, but the way the story is told, insight makes you look at that and go, holy shit, right? This whole story started way before, and this guy is able to do this kind of work 
because all this stuff was set up beforehand. Um, so the ninja work actually happened when the, the when the hero's company sold <laughs> the security system to their clients so that they can keep an eye on. That's pretty slick, right? So um, anyway, um, but in Ninjutsu uh, History and Tradition, right, the introduction at the very beginning, right, uh, Hatsumi Sensei kind of leads into things, and then there's a quote by Takamatsu Sensei, okay? And that's actually an abridged version, right? There was a longer version of that, and I believe in the book by Dr. Zaguri, uh, Kasem Zaguri. Um, he mentions this thing and he kind of alludes to things. Um, I've just been in training a couple of times where things were pointed to a little bit more, um, but it's, it's, it, that's written in code. Okay. So it makes sense on an, on an almost day over level, right? Read it for what it is. It's very inspirational. It's very, uh, you know, warrior-like, like, you know, now's the time again in human history where the ninjas are, da 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 right? Okay. But there are certain things that are described a certain way that have a back uh, hidden thing to it. And this is not about rank. This is not about anything. This is about um, kind of recognizing that, again, that, that truth that in Ninjutsu, nothing is ever what it looks like, right? So... Uh, just read it, read it again. If you if you have Dr. Zaguri's book, what is the book? Um, Ninja, do you, uh, Kasem's book. I don't remember the title of it at the moment, right? Um, I don't know. It's the only one I know of that's out in English. So um, if, if you find that one, there's a reference to it in there. Uh, there's also a couple of Hatsumi Sensei's most recent books, um, where he goes into one specifically that he goes into the concept of Gokui, right? Gokui, G-O-K-U-I, Gokui. Gokui um, alludes to like um, like a secret essence, right? So there's something right in front of you, but there's this there's this whole whole uh, mechanism or framework behind it, right? That makes it what it is. Right? but also makes it much more than what you're looking at. Kind of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, your kata. Okay? Um, now, those of you who are, who are listening uh, in my future, right, uh, after this Wednesday, after Wednesday, September 7th of 2022, you're going to have to ferret out the right episodes and whatnot because our whiteboard Wednesday, at this point, I don't give them episode numbers or anything like that. Um, the reason why we did this one is it, it – kind of has a continuity to it, right? Um, but this week's uh, episode will be centered around two uh, concepts in Japanese martial arts. These are very, very prevalent, right? I don't know that these terms have come up very much, if at all, as they are, right, um, in this training. But they're at the root of like all the conventional martial arts, karate, whatever, okay? Um, especially the kata-based martial arts, right? So there's this idea of bunke and this idea of oyo, right? They're not the names of kata, okay? So uh, if you can make it for or catch the recording or whatever for this week's uh, 
Whiteboard Wednesday, I'm going to be taking a look at this idea of seeing the unseen and how you can use these two complementing opposites, right? These two principles or concepts to learn more from your kata after you've learned the kata. Okay. So there's this whole back end kind of thing. So, um, again, there may be more just off the top of my head. I'm going to type the book is right here. Right. So need to do history and tradition. Right. And so the introduction I'm talking about is just inside. Let's see, past the acknowledgement about the author. Oh, by the way, the about the author. Right. When he lists when they list a master in the following Japanese martial traditions. Right. There's only eight listed, not nine. The ninth one was added after Nijutsu History and Judiciary was written. This is the first one on Nijutsu written in English by Hatsumi Sensei. Right? Uh, the author's preface, right, this, this preface, right, was actually, there's more to it, and this is a version or a variation of one that Takamatsu Sensei actually wrote. Okay? Um, and like I said, there's, there's some cool stuff in there. So, um, if you can go through some of these, some of these uh, written texts, right? Um, I, I always recommend that people, every once in a while, pull away from the damn kata, pull away from the physical training. Not that you don't have to, not that you have to stop physical training, right? But you're going to need to spend more time reading the text that's in the books, not the text underneath the pictures that tells you how to do the technique, right? Reading the text. And going in, going more deeply into that, um, because there's a ton that, that it's easily missed. Okay. Just like people get uh, the, the videos that came up by Quest, right? And, you know, there's a big old panel on the front that, you know, Budo of Elegance or uh, Gyoko Ryu Koshi Jutsu or whatever it is, right? And Hatsumi Sensei's picture and all that. And you flip it around, and it's in Japanese, right? Just this little, you know, write up about the training in the on the video, right? Maybe. Okay. Some of us actually like find or hire or befriend or whatever uh, native Japanese folks that can give you a gist of what's actually written there. Right? Like on the Gyokoryu, one one of the Gyokoryu videos, uh, the very first one, right? Back there it points out this uh, this connection with Mount Kumano, which is near uh, Kyoto, right? I think it's southwest of Kyoto, I think. It's a mountain range up there, right? Mount Kumano, right, is tied to the Yamatsu Tatara, those secret health teachings, right? It's also the same mountain where the founder of Reiki had a divine intervention and discovered the secrets that became Reiki. Okay, so again, um, I guess I guess we could use the same term, uh, the same phrase, or the same the same wording that the Buddha used uh, way 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 back in the day, over 2,500 years ago, when he said that uh, these teachings are for those with only a little dust on their eyes. Okay? I added to that years ago, right? Mud packs are going to take longer. Uh, so, 
anyway, this is what it is. Um, but it's not, it's not that, uh, it's not, it's not the whole book, right? Cause the, the book for the most part is snapshots, but the front end and the tail end have a little bit more to it that, uh, maybe you should look into it a little bit more. I'm not saying they're codified, right? But what I really mean is that introduction, that, uh, uh, that preface by, uh, how's it Right. If you could find, uh, Dr. Zaguri's book and find his little write up or discussion about that, that longer writing that Takamasa Sensei did, that would be a good idea. But we're all grownups, right? You can do whatever you want. Okay. All right. Any, uh, any questions or comments on that or anything come in? Um, uh, Sam's book is Ninja Ancient Shadow Warriors of Japan. That's it. And uh, Phil actually said, thanks. He recently got it, but has not started it yet. Dude. No, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> you know, it's gotten harder and harder over the years um, for me to reread some of these books and whatnot. Not that I'm, like, worried that if I reread it, I'm going to find something else or whatever. God, I hope so, because um, I'm in a different place. But I have more and more books, more and more videos, more and more uh, you know, little write-ups or snippets or tidbits or whatever that I've, uh, received over, over the years. And if you ever get a chance to train with, with Kassam, like, physical stuff aside, like, I've been to seminars where he's had, like, a whiteboard or whatever, and he'll write down the, the kanji, Japanese, and things that he'll be, he'll be talking about come from other Japanese martial arts. Well, what the hell does that have to do with what we're doing? Well, we're not the only one with secrets, right? And some of these things are tied in and connected and all that, right? And uh, just, well, this is not just a Westerner thing, right? Foreigners think that if they learn another language, right, um, they'll, you know, they'll be able to navigate and act just like if they're, you know, native born. It's just not true, right? There's so much stuff that we've had programmed or that has affected us or that has seeped into everything from the way we think, the way we process our, you know, connections, relationships, the world, our place in it, all that stuff, right? Um, references and things like that, um, that it, it, it really affects like how we make decisions and how we go about doing things. Right. Um, and it's the same. I mean, if it's, if it's bad enough, just, you know, trying to learn, let's say Japanese, because I'm going to be a tourist or I'm going to go live there for a while. And I'm just going to, you know, just, even if I'm going to marry another Japanese person or whatever, I'm going to, for, for probably my life, right. Be banging into these references, right? Like what's the Japanese equivalent to Johnny Appleseed? Cause if we say somebody's a real Johnny Appleseed, Right. Okay. So this guy's a wanderer and he had some single minded purpose. I think it was so he could get out of work. Um, right. And, you know, ended up planting apple seeds or apple trees all over the place or whatever. Or if we say somebody's a real Einstein or whatever, right. What's the Japanese equivalent to those references? Right. In the West, at least here in the States, maybe even in Canada, I don't know for sure. Right. We say, uh, you know, somebody, uh, it keeps sucking up to the boss at work. Right. What do we call them? They're a brown nose, right? Because it has a reference 
to being so far up the boss's butt that you get the idea, right? But in Japan, that means nothing, right? In Japan, the equivalent is a rice grinder, okay? So instead of doing this, right, they do this, right? It's like a mortar and pestle, right? And it has the same meaning, but there's a whole lot more to it to even understand how that would have even came about, right? Because we can we can figure out the whole, oh, that's why somebody's got a brown nose. And if you didn't before now, maybe you'll have a better understanding of where that came from, right? But um, so here's the point, right? If that is difficult enough for somebody who goes from one culture into another culture, imagine what we face trying to translate references, principles and concepts that are Japanese or maybe started in China or whatever, moved into Japan, and are unique to martial arts, to Budo, right? Then imagine having to go back era after era after era as, as um, reference points would change in dialects and you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, it's, not so, it's not so easy, right? So I, I think it's funny when people step up, um, you know, with their arrogant uh, stances, right, that they know, right? Or, you know, they, they're regurgitating something Hatsumi since they said, well, that's great, right? One, tell me in your own words, because that'll tell me you did your research and you understand. And two, tell me what your references were so I can go do the same thing. Okay? So, anyway. All right. Um, hopefully that was helpful. Anything else come in about that one other than clarifying? The, okay. All right. Number two. What's next? Uh, you covered part of this on an earlier episode, but what was training in the 80s like in Japan versus now and or prior to Hatsumi Sensei retiring? Was there an obstacle course in Japan like Stephen Hayes and Robert Bussey had? Wow. All right. Um what was training in Japan like? Well, I can only go on, like in the 80s, I can only go on, uh, like from a third person perspective because uh, things grew, right? Things didn't really blow up until the late 80s, early 90s when people really started to, like, you know, head to Japan, right? Not that there weren't earlier trips and things like that, but it was still fairly close knit, right? There weren't like, thousands right or tens of thousands over the course of a year showing up in japan right typically in the spring and the fall because westerners don't like to be there when it's cold or too cold or too hot because i guess mama bear and papa bear are running things right get it they need to do the goldilocks things right and that was actually a reference point used for a lot of folks right the goldilocks crew is coming in right and then there's no space left in the dojo because right Nobody's going to be there when it's really cold. Nobody's going to be there when it's really hot. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah, you know the great thing about training when it's uncomfortable? There's fewer people there, and you get more of the teacher's attention. Works for me, right? Um, I had, uh, There's a head of a Buddhist monastery in uh, Musashi Sakai, which is a, it's a, it's a part of the greater Tokyo area. If you look at the metropolitan train system and all that, right, it'll be over on the 
left side to the west, right? But that's not the scale, right? They drew that so that they can make the train lines nice and geometric and all that. But if you get one of the other maps that are like true to the geography, right, it's harder to read the train routes and all that. But anyway, besides Sakai, um, there is a uh, there's a temple over there that I take students to. It's called Jindaiji. And Jindaiji, um, the reason I take them over there is because it's one of the only temples uh, in the Tokyo region um, that was not destroyed by the bombings in World War II. So it still has the thick thatched roofs and all that. And there was this, uh, because, and we're not sure if the catastrophe was because of World War II or because of an earthquake, because Japan sits practically as earthquake central for the planet, right? Um, but there was some kind of catastrophe, and what happened was a bunch of these people, uh, monks and, and locals and whatnot, uh, they had this Buddha statue, right, and they buried it okay, um, to keep it safe from whatever was going on, right, um, and it was lost, right? Um, they believed that everybody that had any, any knowledge of where this thing was buried or whatever died in whatever the catastrophe was, okay? So it wasn't until... I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, something like that, that they discovered this. They were renovating one of the temples, and they, they found this this uh, statue, right? So it's in its own little building and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but there's all these all these little connections, right? It's a, it's a Tendai uh, temple, and since Tendai, uh, since our arts are connected to Tendai Shu, right, um, that's a whole other story, right? So since they're connected that way and whatnot, so I take students and whatever, right? So it's really, really cool stuff. They have a Daruma festival. Uh, Daruma are these little uh, shrunken heads that are supposed to be like uh, Bodhidharma, right? The Zen guy who ripped his eyelids off, right? So he couldn't close his eyes and he'd have to, like, focus all the time. So, um, but they're these little success kind of things, right? But anyway, um, through <laughs> through a chain of events, right? Uh, I got to meet uh, the basically the abbot of this uh, of this temple, and um, he's really really funny. Um, he has one standard reply to Westerners, Japanese, whatever. Anybody that complains because like the temples have no air conditioning, they have no heat, that it's just shoji screens for windows, all that kind of stuff, right? So if it's wintertime and people are complaining that it's too damn cold or if it's summertime, they're complaining it's too damn hot, he has one standard reply. He just looks at him and goes, oh, hot, cold, whatever it is, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, mm, what will you do when you go to hell, right? <laughs> so, but anyway, right? Um, so uh, there's just – there's a lot more to, to, uh, to this stuff. But anyway, uh, so – what was training like? Training was um, training was different. Training was smaller. Training was more condensed and compact and all that, right? Um, it it was it had a lot more. It was it was closer to what Stephen Hayes experienced when he went to Japan early on. And if you want to know about that, right, then you want to read his the first book that he uh, wrote, and it was produced by Tuttle, right? Uh, their Japanese uh, branch, because he was living in Japan then, right? Uh, it was called um, The Ninja and Their Secret Fighting Art, right? Y you need to read that because that book is written in story format, right? 
how he experienced these teachers, how the classes ran, those kind of things, right? Uh, so there was ESP training, right? Uh, everything from clairvoyance to telekinesis to all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, there was stealth training. To answer your question about the uh, the uh, obstacle courses and things like that, we never had an obstacle course when I trained with Stephen Hayes, okay? Um, that was put in after he created the Toshin Do things and he was doing all that that other uh, the other stuff, right? Um, what we had was we would do training and stuff and we would go out to a local park, right? Let's say we're working on stealth walking, like koash, right? For walking on uh, stones and gravel and stuff like that, right? We would all just either meet at or be driven to a local park that had a big old gravel parking lot. And then we would walk around on this stuff and get yelled at if we're making too damn much noise, right? One time we had like, was it 71, 72 people in this parking lot? And it sounded like maybe one or two people were walking around. That was cool, right? But just got yelled at a whole lot that, you know, freaking making too much noise, right? So, of course, people get aggravated and whatnot. But part of stealth is in waking up your own brain because, if you can't hear the noise you make, then you have no idea how much noise you're making, right? That kind of stuff, right? So we did that kind of thing. Um, if you read uh, the Ninja and the Secret Fighting Art, um, they, Japan, in Japan, they don't still don't have a, a, a freaking uh, obstacle course, right? It, it's too small, right? They would go out to to bamboo groves and you know work with you know saplings or whatever to do certain things. Uh, some of that is shown at the very beginning of the first video that was put out uh, by Quest on the Shinden Fudoyu. So if somebody's pirated that and already thrown it on YouTube, well then it'll be free and easy to find, right? But this art has enough thieves, right? Um, don't do that same shit to Stephen Hayes' stuff because he'll stick lawyers on you. Hatsumi Sensei typically has not, right? People should be freaking lucky. Anyway, so, um, but the beginning of that one talks about training with nature and around nature and all that, right? So nature was our freaking obstacle course, um, climbing trees and all that kind of stuff, right? But there was nothing set, right? But in, in the Ninja of the Secret Fighting Art, there is a story about uh, them meeting for night training and um, sneaking into a private golf course that had security, right? And um, some cool things in there. But speaking of code, right, um, from that that uh, earlier uh, question, um, you gotta you gotta just don't read the story, right? There's lessons in there, okay? He was taught how to change how he processed the air that he's breathing in so that the olfactory gland picked up on nuances in the air so that you knew if there was a mud puddle in front of you that you were about to step in. Okay, well, that's all great. Well, yeah, I read that, Sensei. Great. Have you practiced it? Have you gone out at night after it's rained or after the weather's changed? or after a temperature change or whatever, and spend some time doing nothing but smelling. Or tactically, right, feeling the air. What's the air feel like on your skin? 
those kind of things, right? So, um, and the more we do these things, regardless of whether you're ever, ever going to use them for combat or not, the more we do these things, the more it wakes up certain areas of your brain. Because we're just wired for that, right? So did I cover those enough? Did I miss something in that question? No, you didn't miss anything. Uh, I, I got the what was training like. I can't answer a lot of that. Um, what I can tell you is that training got more, shit, for lack of a better word, placating along the way. Because originally we just heard no a lot. And then it just got turned into, oh, very good. You understand. Okay. Because, you know, part of this is needed to, right? If somebody goes in wanting to be told that they're, you know, the best thing since Swiss cheese had holes. Actually, I think all, all cheese has holes. But anyway, right? Um, uh, then, great. Not only will I tell you that, but I will also promote you. And then you have to pay for your rank. Anyway, so, but there's just, um, how is it different? People had to see, search it out. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that was different is uh, we had books and magazines with still pictures in it. Um, I don't think the first videos came out until 1986. Remember, I got started in 1980, 81. I mean, like January. So we're talking, I was reading and then I was trying to do, right? Um, but I think 86. And then they were very few and far in between, except for all the guys that came out of the woodwork claiming to have been doing Nijutsu for a long time. And, um, yeah, we had jokes back in the day about them. Hatsumi said, um, I, I think there were two references that I remember off the top of my head. And he was making a comment about these people that came out of the woodwork, right? And doing ninja, right? And ever, of course, everybody that wasn't doing what we were doing, since most of our lineages are connected to the Iga uh, region and the Iga Ryu, right? This umbrella kind of organization, right? Uh, run by Hanzo Hattori and, and some of these other guys, right? Um, they would always claim to have been uh, from the Koga lineage, right? These secret guys that are, you know, hiding in the mountains and all that, right? They all told this one lone Western white guy all the secrets and to go ahead and spread it and everything, right? Um, but there were several of these lone individual white guys that were told, right? Um, and um, our question was always, why are they still living in secrecy if they're telling this one guy and he's supposed to spread the word? Right. Um, anyway, so and besides that, the Koga of Asian, right? Um, go start exploring. But anyway, um, so where the hell was I going with that? Um, the. Tell me out with that, James. You weren't listening to me either. <laughs> um, it's just when the shift started. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's just the, the, the um, well, arguments and all kinds of shit started. 
a, a huge shift. And there were there were multiple shifts along the way from the early 80s, right? And I can't give you times or whatever. I can give you for instances, right? One of the major shifts was in the mid to late 80s when people discovered that these schools that were only vaguely referenced, right? There was a whole period of time where we were training in Togakureiryu Nijutsu that also had the information and knowledge from these other, and this is the way they're described, eight other lesser known Japanese martial arts. But if you think about it, Togakureiryu was not freaking known until <laughs> they started using the name, right? But um, there, there came this period where we called it the period of the Kata collectors, right? Because suddenly... Uh, and the, again, the internet was in its infancy. That's what I was going to say. Uh, we didn't have all this stuff, right? So we had magazines and all that kind of stuff. And if you wanted to get training, you had to freaking travel, right? So we didn't have as many people. Well, there may be as many people who couldn't, wouldn't, whatever, but we didn't know about it because we didn't have to listen to them, right? They weren't posting on Facebook or sending me emails or whatever, right? Um, yeah, I know that'll piss people off, but they should be probably pissed off. They're probably... They're, a lot of these people are probably living their lives like I just told somebody the other day. They act like they're always one step from being pissed off at somebody or about something because they've got this script and the world doesn't work that way. Right. So, so much for ninja and adaptability. Right. Uh, I think people want to work on needs to. Um, the first thing they should do is figure out how to get the training. Because that's part of the mindset that you have to develop. You can't hang back and expect to be spoon-fed and think that, that you're actually learning needed to. Ninja are problem solvers, right? And just so it's just very different. But anyway, then we had this period, like I said, of the kata collectors where people figured out that they're, <gasps> well, there's these kata, right? And then, like for a shit ton of these people, Training changed because it became all about the kata and no longer about what we were introduced to, which is the crux of ninjutsu, the principles and concepts that can look how many different ways, right? But as soon as they figured out there were kata, oh, shit, like everything changed, right? And then there was this period where Hatsumi Sate, um was uh, trying to really expand the Bujinkan, right? So there was this one year he said... Uh, by the end of that year, he would have 300 Shidoshi, so 300 fifth dons um, in the art, right? And at that point, fifth don was was the top. And then once we had all these fifth dons running around, then he created five more dons, was tenth dons, and we had a shit ton of tenth dons running around, right? And then he created fifteenth don, right? And these uh, extra five, right? And then before he retired, um, and People can read into this all they want. I have two different ways of looking at it, and I don't want to discuss them at the moment. But then people got put into these positions as Dai Shihan, right? Um, and again, you'd have to dive into the Japanese martial arts approach and understanding of Dai Shihan to understand references and, and those kind of things. So either way. But there were these little periods of change and, and whatnot. So um we're about as far from uh, we're about as far from the original way it was it was promoted because in the early days 
there was a concerted effort by the three key instructors here in the in the in the U.S. and Doron Devon in the Middle East, and you know a couple of these got a month in the uh, Nordic uh, countries. And, uh, but anyway, there was this concerted effort to point out differentiation, and it had nothing to do with physical techniques. It had to do with everything from mindset to approach to way things were looked at, all kinds of things. I mean, it was one of the impetuses behind me creating that Ninja Mind program, right? Um, so everything then started to crystallize, and then people started focusing on getting rank, and then it was just, you know. So, so to go into all the little nuances about how it changed, um, we went from like bathing in the unknown and having to develop an intuitive sense to get this stuff to being spoon fed techniques and variations of techniques that literally move people away from that, that different thing. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Same to you. All right. Um, any questions or comments that came in on that? And again, I can be wrong about a lot of these things. Remember, this is from my perspective in my position relative to certain teachers, both Western and Japanese teachers and Hatsumi Sensei and all that. So I wasn't in every class to hear everything. I, that got, as long as everybody gets that, right, you're, you're getting my take on it. Um, but there was a lot of nurturing in the early days. To, to recognize that that was reality as well, right? We were, we were going to have to make this stuff relevant to our lives, make it so that we could use it, okay? One of the biggest things, one of the biggest differences, and this just popped into my head, was one of the first lessons I learned as a white belt was it was going to be my responsibility to learn this stuff and create my own ninja organization that then was fifth done once you became a shidoshi you started your own organization right that of course was tied in right but it was going to have your flavor and all that kind of stuff to it right but it, it was about this ninja network right so if you have a node over here and you have a node over here and you whatever right you have this connectivity right just like the ninja clans of the old days right um and we were nurtured to to become the one or the, you know, a group of people or whatever that would be making sure that this stuff made it to the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, right? Um, and it's turned into everybody became disciples and fans and uh, groupies and I'm not saying they're not learning anything. They absolutely have. Um, ninja, by very definition, have to be able to act and operate autonomously, right? In enemy territory, away from the group, because they would have been hired to work for some other group, right? To do things and be able to just be okay being themselves. 
way too many people these days need freaking validation and they need to be, it needs to be known that they're a member of this group or whatever. Right. Um, and in the words of one of my business mentors, people need to be liked too damn much. And that stops them from getting the kind of training and the, and becoming the kind of people that this art is supposed to be creating. But Hey, that's a business mentor, right? I mean, that has nothing to do with martial arts, so just ignore that part, right? Because, you know, success is branded. So anyway, um, now I'm going to get indignant. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, anything come in? I, I saw a couple of things flash, notifications flash across my screen, but I didn't read them. Questions, comments, complaints? Bobby Murphy asked, how do we get back to the basics in your opinion? I've tried to not leave them. Some of us have tried to not leave them. Right? While everybody else was saying Budo Taijutsu, there are a couple of Japanese instructors that I've always trained with that have never stopped using the term Ninjutsu. Ever. Ninjutsu, Ninpo Taijutsu, whatever. And focusing on these things, right? Um, even when it wasn't fashionable. So um, I, try, I do my best right, um, to do those things. So, uh, But what it really comes down to is you have to decide what it is that you want and then find a teacher that's doing that thing, hopefully. Right? Okay. I think we have time for one, maybe two more. Um, depends on the question. That one took longer than I thought it was going to take. Uh, do you feel that old techniques should be trained, taught, even though some modern replacements are now available, such as forecasting weather, even though with all the technology, some meteorologists still can't accurately predict, or rope tying? Okay, so uh, I'm going to preface something. I'm going to preface the whole thing uh, with something, and this isn't because I was an English major. It's because I was taught to be very precise in my thinking, right? Um, I don't feel anything when it comes to what I think training should include. Okay. So I understand the wording of your question. We also have to be careful that we're not becoming subconsciously or unconsciously drawn into common speak that most people are using because how we think affects everything. How we see things, the thoughts we start to have, the words we start to use, the actions we start to take, all that stuff, right? Also, what we don't say, right? So using the word feel in the place in place of the word think, and I don't ever want to have, hear anybody look at me and go, well, you know what I meant. And, okay, if you want to know how I feel, well, I feel like, I don't know, I feel kind of neutral because I think people should do whatever the hell they want. As long as that doesn't encroach on mine or anybody else's lives, whatever. Okay? But if you ask me what I think should be going on with these things, okay? Again, I think that you should either look at the art from a different from a different perspective or change the question with regard to each each piece or with each 
area of training. Okay. Um, I don't have a, do I have anything here? Use an old envelope here. Maybe this will work out. I know those of you that are going to be, uh, that are listening into the podcast, it's not going to, um, not going to be as easy for you, but what I'm doing, I'm, I'm drawing a NIN symbol, right? And then what I'm doing is I'm, um, making these spokes out from it. Okay. So this is just really rude and crude. Okay. Is that focus? Can everybody see that? Okay. You got that? See the NIN? Okay. That's, that's ninja two, right? But all these spokes. So the teacher did this once and he actually made it, I think he made it with a freaking gyros, uh, the, uh, uh, what this thing's called. Spirograph. Remember those old games? You put the, the gears together and then put a pen in a hole and whatever, right? But I'm going to cover up my information here, right? So see that? Okay. Each one of those nodes, right? Bojutsu, meditation, Kenjutsu, Kasari, wilderness survival, stealth, whatever, right? They're all there, okay? So they're aspects of the greater thing. But what you end up with is the more you have, the more full or solid, right? You're going to end up with a circle around the, the nin, right? But that's made darker and darker by the more times that, you know, we go that spirograph game. If you don't know what I'm talking about, right? It's kind of making a, these geometric shapes that keep passing through center, right? These orbits that, that go around, right? And so the more of them there are interconnecting and relating, they're relating with each other, but they're making that more solid. They're making that stronger, right? Um, the less you have, then, well, then it's, it's thinner and all that kind of stuff. But either way, right? Um, so do I think that the old ways should be taught? Um, yes. Okay. But not for the reasons that most people are doing it. Not from a style-based reason. We need to look at those things from the technology, right, that um, that brought them into being. And yes, we have more modern things and all that, right? So here, here's an example. If I'm if I'm going to be lighting a fire, let's say I'm uh, I'm out camping with family and whatnot, and we need a fire to cook dinner. Right. I'm going to use matches or a lighter. Right. Magic ninja tool. Okay, Because it's going to be quicker and more expedient than doing these things. Okay. But what if I'm on a camping trip with friends and shit goes bad and nobody's looking for us for a week before they even report us missing? Right. Bad weather came in, soaked everything, whatever. Who knows? We had an accident, lighter's gone, matches are soaked, whatever. How do I start a fire? Okay. Um, so again, it's going to depend, right? But I think it, I think these things deter, de, 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 uh, deserve at least more than a cursory look. Like I don't need to do that because you know there's weather forecasters. Yeah. And what's their success rate? How often are they right? Okay. Um, has nature ever thrown a freak storm at us that just like came up really quickly and caught them off guard? Yeah, of course. 
right? Um, but it's not just weather forecasting, right? A lot of these things cross over to other areas like stealth and, and whatnot, right? Um, so, but see, when it comes to like wilderness survival training, right? And again, we've had that discussion on a past uh, Kuden, I think. Uh, you know, people will go, well, there's nothing in the scrolls about ninja doing wilderness survival. Write out skills that belong in wilderness survival. Creating traps and snares, right? Uh, catching animals, uh, fishing, purifying water, right? Yeah, because they had water purification stations in ancient Japan, right? Because they had big lighters, because they had grocery stores to go shopping for meat, because, right? Everything they freaking did in their life was wilderness survival training. So tell me it's not a part of the training. Tell me it's not a part of the system. Okay. Remember, there's just as much not written as there was written, if not more. Right. It was just implied land navigation. Right. How do I get from the little village on the top of a mountain to that region across, you know, 200 miles from here to this clan headquarters that hired me? How do I get there if not by reading the sun and learning land navigation and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, I tell, and I tell wilderness survival guys that, that come to me for consulting, right? You know, so, uh, you know, why do you teach like, uh, you know, all these water purification methods when I, I got my straw, right? I bought this straw, you know, and it's good for like, you know, whatever. I can stick it right in a friggin', uh, you know, creek and drink it and it'll purify everything. Mm-hmm. How long is it good for? How long will you need it? Right? What happens if it gets damaged? Okay? So when it comes to those kind of things, those old school things, um, I approach those. And this is this is a Jeff thing, right? I approach those things from a caveman perspective. What that means is if I'm naked except for a pair of underwear, I have a benefit. Because I can turn that material into uh, strips for lashings or whatever. I don't have to make rope out of grass, whatever. But the more skills I have, the better off I am. Now, people would assume, well, I don't go camping. I don't travel, whatever. What are the chances of me needing water collection and purification? Let me tell you a story. Okay. The year before I moved into the area where I'm living, okay, there was a major flood. And where I originally moved to, right, uh, there are two rivers, two branches of this river. Like, they literally go around the landmass and then come back together again farther down, uh, actually right off the point of this uh, area called the island, right, near us. Um, and um, the whole area flooded. And within, like, a day and a half, two days, all the convenience stores, all the grocery stores were out of, out of food, out of supplies and whatnot because – you know, people want ate shit and didn't have stores in their house, so they all ran out to get stuff, okay? Well, the flooding got so bad that gas was cut off, electricity was cut off, and they were surrounded by water. Well, that should be pretty easy. You're surrounded by water. Yeah, that has fuel in it, that has, you know, who God knows what in it, Okay. And for everybody, everybody was just scrambling, right? Because like what the, the motors and stuff like that in the wells, uh, the, the water, uh, water purification and pumping stations all shut down, all that kind of stuff, right? 
So where are you getting fresh water when you're surrounded by nothing but water, but none of it's drinkable? Right? How are you going to heat the home or keep your family warm when it's storms, it's late winter, early spring, and it's cold as hell, and you've got no heat in your house? But half the first floor is nothing but water. You don't have a boat. You can't go anywhere. Whatever. Okay? So don't ever think that just because you don't go camping or you don't travel or whatever, you're not going to end up in a wilderness survival situation. These people, look at some of the recent floodings, right? Had it not been for, like, vets and companies or whatever that are more prepared for emergency management now to get cases of drinkable water to people in a flood zone. Well, that's great. Okay? What's your plan for rationing things, right? What's your plan for heating things? What are your plan, right? So do I think that they should be used? Yeah. Uh, even if I'm not an, I'm not an operative, right? So why stealth training? Because I may have to sneak out of my house because there's more people that have come into my house than I can safely deal with face-to-face. So, yeah, right? and I've always said that we ninja in the modern world have to have better stealth skills than ninja in ancient Japan because they only had to worry about what? Eyes and ears of human beings and eyes and nose and ears of dogs. We have to worry about infrared sensors, motion detectors, all kinds of things, right? So it's, it's not the same. The skill sets, right? The topic's the same, but the skill set, a little bit different. Right? Can't wait here. Things keep getting drug on from my house. Pretty soon we'll, uh, well, within a couple of months. <laughs> it's supposed to be a couple of months ago, but a couple of months, be back in the house and I won't have a furnace behind me uh, kicking on and throwing all this extra stuff out. Anyway, was this, was this okay? Is it helpful? Questions, comments? Anybody else have anything? Okay. So um, the answer is, if I didn't think they were important, I wouldn't uh, conduct one of the survival seminars, and I wouldn't um, be studying this myself. But if you're new in my realm, if you're new in my world, you wouldn't know that. So uh, the short answer is yes. The medium answer is the one I gave you. The longer answer is come to training. Oh, wait, that's short, isn't it? Because I have at least three levels of training for every skill set. There's three realms when it comes to that kind of training, right? There's uh, every day, right? I'm just a civilian. I get stuck in in a, a you know bad situation, or not even that, right? I'm just a just a guy, right? I'm just training and whatnot. So I go out to this area or go to my backyard or whatever, right? And I pick a fire lighting method. I pick a fire structure, blah blah blah, right? And I practice making a fire. Doesn't matter what structure I use. Doesn't matter the fire lighting method. None of that stuff matters. What matters is skill development, right? So that's neutral. But then I have an emergency situation, okay? So when it comes to fire lighting, where am I? What's the weather been like? Whatever. What kind of what kind of structure? We teach nine different fire building structures, right? So what type of structure? It's going to be contextual based on what I need. So I need a big old roaring bonfire. 
Do I need concentrated heat because I'm cooking something? Do I need, um, do I, am I, am I uh, uh, short on uh, fuel? Either because it's all freaking soaking wet, which requires a, one type, two types of structures, right? Three types of structures, sorry, right? Or I'm just in an area where it's arid and, and whatnot, and literally there's just not a lot around, whether it's dry or not. Right. So what structure is best for that so I can conserve and not burn it all up at one time. Right. And again, that's the overt stuff. Right. The omote of the training, the front, the obvious stuff. Right. It's about fire building. But look at all the skills. Look at all the mental things that are being developed for assessing and 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 coming up with the right answer. More than just, well, I'm going to pick one of nine. I'm going to pick one of five different fire lighting methods. I'm going to, no. Right? This is constantly practicing to develop a mind that can very quickly assess, know, and execute. Right? Because the fire lighting skills, all those things together, that's a kata. People need to learn to see things as kata, not forms, examples. Because eventually you're going to have to transcend the examples to be able to create the answer on the fly from the fodder of all that you learned. And I'm going to stop talking about this stuff because I think we've got time for one more and it better be a short one. Anyway, what else do we have? Because we need, we, you and I have a meeting. We, we've got to get this freaking website pissing me off. Anyway. And you got two questions left. One's on Kamai and one's on history. Let's do Kamai. So one of your recent Kudan episodes, you mentioned Stephen Hayes' book, The Ancient Art of Ninja Warfare. So naturally, I ordered it. After reading through it, I noticed a picture of Wakino Kamai. I do not recall seeing this Kamai in other books that I have by various authors. Is this Kamai not a popular one, or is it only used with certain weapons? I realize that this is just a podcast and it can't be demonstrated. I was just curious about the Kamai itself. Yeah. See, good question. Not taking things at face value. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, let me tell you something. Here's a little secret about uh, Ancient Art of Ninja Warfare. This is not what I talked about before, where it's actually a translation of a part of the Bansu Chukai. Right? I was telling James about this earlier, okay? Where you saw the Waki no Kamai, he's using a kunai, right? Um, but the, the Kamai that he's showing are our knife defense Kamai, okay? And, uh, but he's using a kunai because he was, it's ancient art of ninja warfare, so he employed this ancient tool, right? But it's knife stuff. And the section you were reading, those techniques, are our unarmed against sword muto dori taihen waza techniques for black belt. So there's one where he's in uh, Ichimoji, Sagan kind of thing with the kunai. Sword comes in, he rolls out of the way from a kneeling position, turns back, and throws the kunai at the guy's face. Okay, well, it's a massive variation because the, the muto dori taihen waza for Ichimonji is to do that roll away, 
you come out of your roll, he's already readjusting and coming in for the next one, and you shift in and under the descending sword to get him. So it's a roll to safety counterattack based on this, the scenario that you have, right? Okay. So one, I'm telling you that so that you recognize that there's stuff hidden all over the place. Two, I'm telling you that because I mentioned that the kunai was used because it's ancient art of ninja warfare. That's the title, right? But they were knife defense kamai. So the kunai is being used in place of a knife. Kunai are not sharp. Okay? So there's the switch, the segue to knife. Three, the knife material in our in the Bujinkan does not come from any of the nine schools. It comes from the Musashi Ryu, right? The Musashi school. Okay? So Waki no Kamai was this Kamai used by the Musashi school. There are Aikijujutsu schools or Aikido schools or Kendo schools that have the sword down at the side, right? Pointing back, but the edge is forward, right? That is also known as Waki no Kamai, right? Sometimes Waki no Kamai is known as Kin no Kamai. There's all these different variations and whatnot. Kamai of light, Kamai of the earth, that kind of thing, right? Um, so part of the problem could be that we're trying to find an answer within a bottle or within a specific box. Or we've got nine boxes, so we're looking through these nine boxes, these nine file cabinets, for another reference of this thing when the reference is actually outside those nine. Because, again, people keep pigeonholing themselves to the fact that Hatsumi Sensei had Soke ship in nine schools. Yeah, and what about all the other schools that he had Menkyo, Menkyo Kaiden in that were, are naturally a part of the Bujikan? What about the, uh, the Kodyu, these smaller schools, or they were schools in their own right that were, that were uh, integrated or absorbed by other schools, like the Ito Ryu that was absorbed by the Kukishinden school, actually the Kukishin school, because Kukishinden, the den at the end, right? When Takeda Shinge, when Takeda uh, said they gave the Kukishin school to Takamasa Sensei, he added the den, identifying the Takamatsu branch. Okay? And he didn't just give Kukishin Bojutsu, Kukishin, uh, whatever. And the, I, I've seen the, I've seen the, the certificate, the, the, the license that Hatsumi Sensei has, right? Has these five columns of kanji, okay? And it has the, uh, Takeda Sensei's, uh, stamp, okay? Um, he was not given Kukishin Dakentaijutsu, Kukishin Hapohiken Jutsu, he was given Kukishin Bujutsu. And there are five branches, five main areas. The Kukishinden encompasses all five branches. Yeah, that's for another thing. It doesn't matter. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you call it Kata Fred. Harry, Billy Jean, Bobby Sue, whatever, or you call it whatever is in the scrolls, right? Learn the damn lesson and learn the lessons embodied 
and uh, being carried by the kata, right? Same thing with the names of the schools. Everybody runs around memorizing all this shit that absolutely doesn't matter until you hit a point where, okay, I've learned the omulte, the obvious stuff, and now uda. What could possibly be a part of the uda, right? The hidden, the backside, right? Does the name point to anything? Does the, right? And you really start to dive in and explore stuff that most people, that's, that's not a part of the style, man. It's not, it's not important. Right? I don't know. Hatsumi Sensei thought it was important enough that he taught it on a regular basis. Maybe he thought some of us might actually, right? Anyway. Um, so, Waki, right? Here's the short of it. If you know Heito no Kamai from uh, your bow work, right? Heito, as a matter of fact, I just released a video on the uh, general Bujinkan uh, staff Kamai, right? Generally speaking, from the Kukishinden school, but remember that we have nine schools, therefore, we have nine different approaches to Bojutsu. Well, so nine different approaches to the sword, but, right? So, um, but uh, Heito, right, with the staff, right? The word Heito means uh, to sweep or to mow, like mowing the grass, like these old, big old sling blades they used to have, right? For mowing things down, that kind of thing, right? So everything's back and you're just waiting for that wah, big opportunity, right? But in our sword work, right, we have Uyusui no Kamai, right? Where it's behind us. It's kind of like a gate on where you could be searching behind you as you're backing up or whatever. But that's the heito of the sword work, right? So waki, right? Waki, heito, Uyusui, they all violate the primary principle of weapon work, which is to keep the weapon between you and the bad guy. Right? So here's either this what if of I just did this swing or whatever, um, trying to just finish this guy off, missed, or I did hit him, and now I've overswung and the weapon's in this bad place, and bad guy number two or bad guy number one is still there and coming, and I'm going to have to operate from here. Right? Same thing with the knife. I go swinging and I cut, and now it's over here and behind me. I know some of you guys can see because you're on the video, but um, uh, podcasters, go to YouTube, hook up Kuden, right? Um, but it ends up over here, and I'm going to have to operate from there, okay? So it's the same principle. It's the same concept, just has a different name, okay? And you can look up Waki, right, online, right? James and I did just a quick search, right? Waki, right? Waki Gamai. Right? And don't throw things away because it doesn't say kamai. Right? Like, kamai, K-A-M-A-E. Yeah, don't ignore the gamai, G-A-M-A-E. It's the same word. The K becomes a G or the G becomes a K based on context and the, and the word or syllable coming before it. Right? And some English speakers heard it a certain way and just translated it that way. It's kind of like when people say ninjutsu. Okay? The word is ninjutsu, but it's a J-U-T-S-U because a jutsu art or skill set is different.